Welcome to the Tell Me Something Real podcast. Real people, real stories, real talk. Hello, realists. Thank you for joining us for another exciting episode. This week, we are embarking on a new series topic about boundaries and communication. We want to share some of our experiences and the lessons we have learned about how to set healthy boundaries in our personal and professional lives. But before we get to that, first we want to do a quick update about what's going on with us. Okay, Heather, so let's talk about updates this week. What have you got going on? Well, I want to tell you a subscription box update, first and foremost. So I have to tell you, I think it's gimmicky. I've always been against it. I think I covered this in our subscription box episode. <laughs> did okay. I Did I not say that? Maybe I just was thinking Wait, it. You think subscription boxes in general are gimmicky or yes. a particular one? Just in general. I think oh. the whole thing is i mean because it's it's like this way i just assume that the stuff you get is like totally this cheap stuff that they get at like this wholesale price and you're spending way more money than what the stuff actually costs if you'd actually had access to like those samples sure okay okay i'm just saying but it's just like how you pay for fast food you know fast food isn't good food you know you could make that food like way better but it's easy and convenient and they're providing it for you in like a brown paper bag sure okay I can see that so anyway so when I got my saddle box it was kind of just because I wanted to join in with the monthly subscription so I could like talk about it and say like hey I did it and then I just imagined that I would cancel it very quickly but I want to do a rave for the saddle box I really appreciate every month everything they send there's always one treat sample that sucks and my horses hate it but you know we get actually really decent stuff and it's like a wide variety and they always send cool socks like how can you be mad about that so i was so excited about loving my saddle box that (laughs) i had somewhat of a shopping therapy monthly box subscription moment and did this impulse <laughs> buy of the Fab Fit Fun box. I have so, done the Fab Fit Fun I box, know, though. I We've know. talked about this. I know. Okay, so I really want to know what your review is because I, I have mixed, I have mixed feelings about it, and I don't get it anymore. So I'm interested in how your first box went. Well, I can say I got a forty dollar off thing that's I a lot never done it yeah I think I was like looking at it and I had a $30 off thing and then they like the next day they were like 40 I was like wow it's like 20 bucks like even if the whole thing sucks it's like worth it yeah I don't know if I'll continue the subscription because like I said it was just a total impulse buy I had no like interest in truly and that's getting weird the fact because you used to have to like be on a waiting list for it. Wow. So I wonder if like they're maybe not doing so well right now. Or maybe their process has improved as a result of pandemic times. Perhaps. Uh, Anyway, so it shipped 
it's like shipping now so i should get it oh soon. you haven't gotten it yet i haven't gotten it yet oh yeah. oh my gosh i cannot wait i'm excited so we'll see i like the idea of full-size things so like the saddle box you get some full size like you get a full-size pair of socks yeah. you don't get a sample sock <laughs> here's one yeah <laughs> order order here to get the second one um so you get full-size things you always get like grooming stuff and um they always send a cool sticker but then you get samples of treats and um group like um reusable spray bottles of grooming products and things and which is kind of nice because like i'm not gonna go to the feed store or farm store and just buy all this like crazy stuff and let me tell you just a quick story here my it's saddle box a quick story <laughs> my saddle box wrong podcast last... <laughs> so my saddle box came in last week and okay. this product a spray in a spray bottle was in there and it said for urine and manure stains it didn't say where those stains would be like upholstery mm -hmm. carpet which why is your horse peeing or pooping on your so i was confused like it sounds like so... it's for a dog or something but this is the saddle box so yeah i looked it up it's for urine and manure stains that gets on your horse's mane and i'm thinking who's peeing and pooping on my horse's mane well literally the next day i'm not even lying the next day i go to visit the horse she decided to lay down face first in a pile of cow manure and had it like all stuck to the side of her face and like in her mane and i'm like oh, i have a thing wow so, you know i would have never bought that and now i know i need to have a product to get the urine and manure out of my horse's hair so anyway we sprayed it on it worked great horse is all better now wow that's one of those like fate versus free will things for i sure. think something was proven in that for sure situation. so anyway i'm feeling very very excited about the subscription box thing but kelly I feel like Heather. you might have an update that involves boxes. What's, what's going on with you? Oh my goodness. So after two unanswered emails, yes, a tracking number email and two weeks after that of waiting, I finally received my Girl <gasps> Scout cookies. Yay! And were they amazing? I mean, I did haven't eat eat, I haven't tried all of them yet. I tried the Which s'mores. Uh-huh. I tried How the s'mores and I so I did the s'mores and the peanut butter ones, whatever they're called. Okay. So I they're not bad. Okay. Well, that's a start. They definitely taste like cheap cookies. Um mm. I mean, they definitely, they're not bad. They're not bad. Okay. <laughs> and I think also another thing that's important to say here is that they, they came very well boxed so okay. that they didn't get smushed or crumbly or anything like that. Very important. Now they are definitely smaller than I remember Girl Scout cookies being like 20 years ago mm -hmm. the ones the new cookies are not small they're normal size cookies however they're only like 
10 or 12 in a box. Yeah. Like there's like hardly any, I can't fathom seeing that and a little Girl Scout and being okay with paying $5 for that. Like yeah. you have to have the little Girl Scout standing next to the cookie to like force yourself to be okay with really paying that. Paying for. I mean, the cookie is just yeah. a bonus gift. Which is weird because when I was in the Girl Scouts, uh, no, like we paid for everything. Like no one was paying for anything. It mm -hmm. was like, we paid for our little outfits. Mm -hmm. Uh, we met in a church or something. No one was paying the leader. We only had like five people, like five Wasn't girls. Wasn't it all though for the end of the year trip? We didn't have any kind of trip. Like you the only thing that we did is we went to Girl Scout camp, which we had to pay for. So hmm. I don't I really in, know what you're paying. I don't know what you're funding. So when I was in Girl Scouts. Just well, the fact that I there was, is Girl Scouts. I was in Brownies. I was in Brownies like, too. I actually was never in Girl Scouts. I was in Brownies. I was never in Girl Scouts. Thank you. I was only in Brownies. I did it one year. And it was the last year of it. Well, okay. It was the first year they did brownies at my school or whatever because we did it at school oh and but it was the last year that i was eligible to be a brownie next year i had to go to girl scouts and so i find out at the end of the year that all the fundraising we did because i sold all these cookies because you know my grandfather was like the salesman guy so we went to everybody. We sold all these cookies. I'm all excited because we're getting this big trip. It's all for this big trip. Come to find out the trip is for the next year. And I'm not going to be in the brownie group. Whoa, that is hardcore I manipulation. had a full-on meltdown at the brownie meeting. Like, Oh my goodness. I lost it. Yeah, I, no, mean, I lost it. I was like, can I come back next year? Like, can I forego Girl Scouts and be a brownie? like no it doesn't work that and why can't it work that way like was that gonna alter the time space continuum if i couldn't do brownies one more year okay really? so maybe because you're a little bit older and old i'm gonna i'm gonna link this i'm gonna tie this in with something else in a minute if i can remember what i'm tying it to but i yeah. do want to say that outside of girl scout camp where I'm pretty sure we saw either a dead person or a serial killer or a ghost. I'm not sure which. And a girl told a story about, she told a sexy story and got sent home. Ooh. Girl Scout camp outside of that though. No, let's, let's add that. Girl Scout camp, all inclusive, was super fun. I loved it so much. And like all the camp counselors got to like have their, they got to like pick a name for themselves. It wasn't their name. And my favorite counselor's name was Peace. And she taught me how to dive. I had never dove Aww. before. Yeah. Um, and I learned how to dive at Girl Scout camp. And I learned how to make um, paper mache stuff at Girl Scout camp. There are so many things that I did at Girl Scout camp, all positive all totally mm -hmm. okay and on the up and up that were uh, outside of listening to that girl's sexy story <laughs> we're all I mean it was a incredible like it was such a fun experience um 
Okay. Yeah, I remember so, you telling me about it and it really? being awesome. It sounded so awesome. I was it was so, so fun. Mad. And we like got, there was a little like shop, like a little, well, it wasn't really a shop. It was like the size of a desk, but it was enclosed and you could go and buy stamps. So you could mail a little letter. Like I remember mailing a letter back to my mom during the week that we were on Girl Scout yeah, camp. Oh, totally. Um, but outside of Girl Scout camp, the only thing that we did was we did go to one of the counselor not counselors one of the leader people's backyards mm. and have a bonfire at night and we like told ghost stories maybe and roasted marshmallow made s'mores yeah see that sounds like total girl scout type stuff i'm sure we got a badge for it like but i don't know we definitely never went camping other than girl scout camp yeah um, but we didn't really do any, like, I didn't, I don't think that we learned, I don't even know what we did at the meetings. I remember that my, the leaders weren't very enthusiastic about Girl Scout camp and. Well, you had like workbooks and, and you were like supposed to like work through them. Yeah. I, and I do, do activities think that we were patches. supposed to, yeah. See, I feel like we were supposed to be like learning how to make fire or something. And can I, I just say. I don't remember doing any of that. I feel like I need to say something here. Okay. So we, we, we also had like a Christian version of that. Cause would you not call GAs like the Christian girl? Scouts? I was about remember, to say that, but I didn't know if GAs? anyone listening would know oh what God, GAs I don't think were. Anyone, like if you've heard of this, please like email us. I think another thing too, is like with GAs, like I remember having the book, the workbook, but I don't, have, and I remember earning badges or something. But I genuinely don't remember like what we did. I don't remember what the workbook was like. I don't I remember, remember what the little things were. I remember. Okay. You do? One I time. think you still have the workbook. I would not <laughs> be shocked. I might. Um, so one of them was to draw a map of your neighborhood. And I used to ride my bike around my neighborhood a lot. And oh, yeah. I realized when I was started biking a lot around the neighborhood that have like a pretty good like sense of direction so I like was so like excited when I saw that as like one of your options I was like oh man I'm gonna draw like a kick butt map and I did of our neighborhood and then I remember one time it was like write a poem and I wrote this like poem that kind of sounded like an Aerosmith song like they could have copyright sued me if I'd have tried to take it public perhaps wow those are the only two things I remember. And I do remember that all I was in it for was because when you became in high school, you got a tiara. And once I got the tiara, I dropped out. I don't think I ever made it that far. Oh, I got my tiara. I don't you better believe I, I got my tiara. I don't think I got anything. I don't think I got, I got anything. Tiara. And I also don't yeah. even know if I actually I mean, like had a, a scepter. Workbook. And the other things were stupid, like a scepter and a cape. Like I don't even cape? care about like a little like yeah like a short like you know that comes to your elbows like, hey. I, okay I definitely never got anything and I wonder <laughs> if I was even I remember everyone was a little bit older than me so I don't even think I was yeah. supposed to be in like we were in different we were supposed to be in different age groups but because I was like the only person in my age group or something yeah, like they just boosted you up and they just like, yeah what? boosted me up but I don't know if I was actually involved yeah. Okay, but here's the other thing that I want to talk about, about people forcing you to push forward when you don't want to. Mm. Okay, when I was a kid, I was very involved in sports. 
So I okay. played basketball. Which I, I don't have any memory of this, which is so fascinating to me. Well, I did it at, the, at like the rec center. So it wasn't oh. something that I did like, you know, it wasn't through church or through school oh, or anything like, like that. Friend cheating on me. I had no idea. <laughs> you were like out doing other things. No. With other <laughs> well, and it was all boys. Like I was probably the only girl doing all this stuff, but like I played, I was on a basketball team. I did gymnastics and I did baseball. And I did nice. baseball for a while. I have like a baseball card and everything with my my picture on it and my stats, which the is stats. hilarious because like if you are not a parent and you look at like the stats of a six year old, you're like, whoa, that is really short and tiny. Like, how does a person how, how do people how are people that little? Um, but, but um, so here is the thing: I stopped playing sports when I was forced at a certain point to to either stop baseball or move to softball because that's Mm. what the girls did the girls had to play softball yeah well I thought softball was really stupid Mm. me it also seemed harder Like, I feel like the, like the ball is so big. It was really like, I was used to having like this small baseball, you know? And I was just like, why would I do? I don't, I don't get it. And it's so sexist and weird. Um, And even as like a five-year-old, I got that, you know, like even as a five-year-old, I was like, why do we have to, Mm -hmm. why do we have to play with a ball that looks like a toddler would use it? So I was just, I was really upset because of my age. They, they forced me to play softball. So I just quit and I never played sports again after that. That's so sad, which is ironic because softball was my most beloved sport and I played in middle school and then tried out in high school and didn't make the team. Oh my God. That's really upsetting. It was the most upsetting thing ever. And also because I had been giving like a training. So before you even tried out, you had a training schedule and you showed up to all these practices. And so really that was mostly like what the coaches were picking the team from was watching everybody at the tryouts. And then all of a sudden I was showing up to the tryouts on the schedule and nobody was there. So it was like, the schedule changed and nobody told me I don't know like I mean like we had the piece of paper and we were going and people you know every day and people were there and then like and I was like way too timid to go ask somebody so I was like okay maybe they just canceled it and then of course I didn't make the team and I never asked why but I think the reason was because I quit showing up to the anyway sad story that is really upsetting but I I hearted softball so much like it was such a passion for me I mean I hate it I literally hate playing it yeah I will say that I didn't really miss baseball that I really liked basketball but I didn't really miss well and then my grandparents had a net in their backyard Mm -hmm. so like my cousin and I would play but like the thing about baseball was that when I quit playing baseball my little cousin started playing baseball and my uncle actually played on a baseball or softball team 
probably softball I'm not sure yeah which is weird like all those what? adult leagues why well, all the why? like because there's like adult softball leagues I've played in one for many years and then it's just so weird just accepted like, I didn't love it anymore. yeah it's just weird to me that they all have to be softball but anyway like the point it's was supposed to be like easier it's like an accessible I don't think it's easier it seems hot like we it seems harder to me but I mean I, I don't think know. the ball is supposed to be easier to hit like that's the part oh. that's supposed to be easier yeah <laughs> It's not easier to throw or catch. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Okay. But I mean, so my point was though, is that like, I still got to go to at least one game every Mm -hmm. week because, and then, and what I love, like I actually recently, um, we went recently and walked around like a baseball field at a park because like the park was super busy and we wanted to like not be around like other people during a pandemic so we just walked around the baseball field for forever and I was like oh my god like all I really want to do is eat airheads and like sit in a stand and watch some little kid play ball <laughs> like that yeah. is, is my dream so I mean that was fun because I got to do that for years without having to actually play anything or you know mm-hmm. not that playing was bad it was just kind of baseball is kind of boring Oh my gosh, it's terrible. It's my least favorite sport as an adult to watch. Oh, I can never I remember watch it as an adult like that. When we were teenagers, we went to that Atlanta, insert culturally appropriated term, baseball game. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is way more boring without like the announcer and the commercials and all the TV stuff. Yeah. It's and that's when so I realized boring. I cannot with like, I will watch football. I will watch basketball. I would watch curling before I would watch <laughs> baseball. Yeah, I mean, yeah, curling is actually quite fun to yeah. watch. There's um, a lot of like skill and strategy. I I am not a in general, I am not a sports person. Um yeah. I love basketball. I used to go to Lakers and I'm wearing a Lakers shirt right now. You I used are. to go see Lakers and, and because I don't discriminate and the Clippers when I lived in LA and when I lived in San Diego and they played away games, like I love baseball. I love soccer. Um, oh no. I like I the, watch uh, soccer. oh my gosh. I went to like see galaxy play when I lived in LA. Okay. Um, I'm going to assume that's a soccer team. And I love, that's what da- David Beckham was. I you didn't understand the words. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but like, I love international soccer games. Like a okay. friend of mine used to go to a local pub when we worked and there were like the big, big international league games going on and like have a pint or three and watch, you know, like three hour soccer slash football games. Um, but so I love basically those sports. That's it. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't watch anything else, but I don't so know. I'm, I'm literally, of course, going to fall on the exact opposite. I hockey's football. fun too. Oh, frickety frack of hockey. I <laughs> don't even want to hear the word hockey. Like I, I just like roll my eyes when like, I just see the word hockey and I'm like I've been to a hockey game it was so I just don't I don't enjoy that more I'm loving it for everybody that enjoys it and I want everyone to do what they enjoy I'm just saying I can't get into it um well I I mean I haven't seen a hockey game since the last one I went to which was maybe in high school 
but I just remember there being a lot of action. Like mm. there was always like, there were people moving around all the time. And that's what I like. That's what's so boring about baseball is that people are just yeah. standing there. Yeah. They're just standing there. That's standing. why they're all fat. They're just standing yeah. around. They are. But it's uh, so anyway, for me, it's like, number one is football. I am, and I, and I want to just state for the record, I am morally, ethically, mentally, psychologically, and spiritually opposed to the game at its core. But I cannot help that I derive intense satisfaction from watching it being played. I cannot watch a football game. Like you, <laughs> you could not pay me money to watch a football game. Now, I, if I were in high school and I knew all the people playing, I used to go to football games in high school all the time, but that was oh, different because yeah. I knew I the people too. who played, you know? Well, I mean, I would argue that I know in quotations. Um, oh, I met the um, quarterback for the Raiders and I massaged his girlfriend. So I mean, that I know. sounds wrong. I mean, I I'm know just, some of them. Well, they came in the for way a that you massage. said that. <laughs> they came in for a couple's massage, and uh, anyway, but right. um, but yeah, and then tennis. I love tennis. Love to watch it. Just all all of it, and mostly because of the fashion statements that people make when they're playing tennis. Like, I'm just really into like what they're wearing and all the like interesting places that clothing designers come up with for people to stash tennis balls in very <laughs> skimpy attire so I, I mean there's like a, a research aspect to it I guess I enjoy playing tennis yes um though I haven't done it recently but tennis to me is like watching paint dry it's like watching a baseball game to me it's like watching golf Oh my goodness. Can I tell you that I hate golf? So like, I can't even think of, I don't, I don't think golf, I, I can't even talk about golf. <laughs> now I will play some putt-putt. Okay. I'm good at putt-putt. I'm, I'm really good at it. I don't even hate going to a driving range and hitting a ball or, you know, trying to hit a ball, mm -hmm. but, um, People who like watch, is it, okay, is it called, what's it called? When they have, a master? Masters? A masters, yeah. <laughs> Okay. So people pay a lot of money to go to wherever those things are, those masters, and they watch the, the masters do the mastering. <laughs> and um, <laughs> it's the okay. most awful thing that I can possibly think about. Like, I can't, like, it makes me... It makes me tired to think about just to think about if I'm so exhausted. Yeah. Okay. So here's the thing with golf. Oh my gosh. On no, Sundays, don't do it. On no. Sundays after church. No, you're going to tell after me that you watch golf. We ate after my grandparents, you know, we ate supper. What is it on Sunday? Supper. Um, granddaddy would watch golf and I would as a little girl lay on the couch and read like the Sunday comics and look through like all the advertisements and it would just yeah. be on in the background and that to me is this like really incredible memory so I have to admit that there's occasionally a Sunday where I'm being lazy at home and I put golf on in the background for maybe a half an hour 45 minutes okay. just to relive that nostalgia so I can tell you I that don't I care who wins or what's happening I have that nostalgia that 
sound nostalgia for baseball because when I was growing up, my dad was always watching baseball games. Mm. So the sound, especially on a radio, like if baseball is on a radio, there's something really soothing and nostalgic about that to me, but I don't, I'm not involved in it. It's just fun. You know, it's, it's like a fireplace. It's like a crackling fire. And I, and I know this is probably a sign of like my generation, but people that are listening to sporting events on the radio, I'm, I'm just not there with you. Like if I, I, I would just not like, if it's between like listening to it on the radio or not knowing anything that happens in that sporting event, I'm going to pick not know anything that happens in that sporting event, because I just do not understand the listening to it on the radio. Unless oh that's like goodness. the only option and that's like your team and maybe like you're that hooked in but to me it's very much a visual thing to watch sports so I mean we we listen to Irish radio a lot and mm-hmm. so we listen to games on Irish radio a lot Baseball curling mm. curling games yes um and I do enjoy it and I mean it does it, it brings me joy um, but again, we're not actually listening to the game. I'm not really yeah. involved in it. Yeah. It's just like, a, you know, it's like a white noise. Yeah. I hear you. Wow. We just talk. It's funny to talk how long you can talk about things that you don't like. How much energy goes into, I have a feeling that this is going to, this is really good because um, when we get into our topic for the day, it's funny how much energy you can put into things that you don't like or that aren't positive in your life. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. Right on. All right. Um, Do we have any other like updates that are super important to talk about? Not really. Okay. I, I just wanted to to let you guys know that I love Saddlebox and I will be updating you on FabFitFun. I will say I do like that they let you, let you pick a few of the things. In yeah, it. I love so that part because at least you know. Yeah, yeah, that's super cool because at least you know, because I will tell you like sometimes the things that you don't pick suck. Like they're yeah. really, you're like, I cannot believe that I paid for this, but you've already gotten your money's worth with whatever <laughs> you picked. So it doesn't even matter, you know, yeah. and it's really good for like re-gifting. Oh, Hey. And I'm fully expecting there to be a highlighter compact. I'm going to be disappointed if there's not. So. Did you choose a highlighter compact? No, but you said oh. a couple weeks ago that like every <laughs> subscription box you've ever gotten comes with a highlighter. Like you would never purchase that item because it um, always comes in boxes. Yeah, I got a lot of those. Well, I wouldn't purchase that item anyway, but I've gotten a lot of those. I've gotten a lot of those in those like $10 boxes that are like mostly sample size things. Mm-hmm. Well, you can always re-gift highlighter compacts to your best friend. Heather. See, I wish I had known this like uh, years, years ago, ago when I was actually getting all of okay but I didn't wear makeup at all back then so it wouldn't have done any good I'm just now um, embracing well, our timing complex. is off I can't yeah. I can't do anything about that I'm sorry <laughs> I apologize yeah that's for all right my past and your future mm, I think it's my present but it's okay uh, well <laughs> all right do we feel comfortable moving into the topic for this week 
Um, I guess as comfortable as I'm ever going to be. So I'm just crossing my fingers that no one that I'm friends with who I'm maybe about to talk about in vague terms is actually a listener to this podcast. I feel, and then com- we'll later I feel exactly blast the same way. Me for outing them, you know, in our internationally acclaimed podcast. So, um, yeah. So let's take a brief moment to hear a word from our sponsor and then we will move right along. That's a great idea. All right. Well, great. Let's jump right in to our main topic for today, which is such a great topic. And Kelly, I want to thank you for suggesting this, or maybe I suggested it. I don't know. I'm nervous about suggesting it. I can't wait to see where this goes. (laughs) So I just want to give a disclaimer that um, I'm not going to disclose any identifying information if I talk about anyone who I know that may be listening or or identifiable. Um, But it's going to be difficult to talk about our subject, which is boundaries, without probably talking about relationships we've had. It is so... I mean, I will try to make sure Heather edits out any names that I accidentally (laughs) say or any hurtful information that I might um, disclose to the world. Yeah, yeah. So I will will certainly do that. But yeah, yeah, I mean, boundaries is a great topic. And I was going to start off by saying this, and then I think we'll see where it goes. Okay. So I have struggled my entire life with setting good boundaries. And I have repeatedly found myself entrenched in terrible conflicts that probably had flashing bright light red flags leading all the way up to that conflict as people were trampling my boundaries to get Mm -hmm. there. And I just kept thinking along that process, okay, well, this will get better on its own or they'll figure out that things are not good for me right here and, and they'll stop. And I just really took this passive role in it. And now at the age I'm at, I have decided that I am putting up incredibly firm boundaries and that my goal and the reason why it's so important for me to do that and then to honor them is because I hate conflict. And so if I just set this clear boundary of like, if you go past this, for me and maybe I didn't tell you like I don't think it's my job to tell you every individual like some of them I think should be common sense and if you pass a common sense boundary like that's on you okay <laughs> but uh, I also do try to be clear with people what maybe the less common sense boundaries are and then to me I'm just not going to engage if once you've crossed that boundary henceforth I'm not going to allow that long path of red flags leading up to the conflict to even happen or I'm not mm-hmm. gonna I mean that person might continue down the path yeah. of being in conflict with themselves or with a situation but I have stopped back where I set that boundary and I'm like nope that's where I stop so I feel like I'm practicing this for the first time in my life ever but that doesn't mean that I don't have lots of great stories about failing at this in the past but well, that was my my sort of like jumping off place with this today Yeah. And I'm actually more interested, I think, in talking about how we do instead of necessarily our bad situations or bad experiences with not setting boundaries, I would like to talk through how to set boundaries and and what's worked and what doesn't work, but mostly what works. Because I will say that just viewing my Instagram scrolling post situation 
This is something that everyone seems to be working on. So I feel like we are in that age group where like everyone who's going to therapy has been to therapy. We're all dealing with our stuff where we've dealt with our stuff. We're in a constant state of like evolution and growth. And part of that growth is like learning things like how to say no, how to, mm-hmm. you know, not let people suck our energy out um, and setting these boundaries that are really important. And I mean, boundaries you have to set with everyone from the Starbucks person to coworkers. But my biggest issue has my actual, like my issue is with friends. Um, Mm -hmm. our household boundary issues usually come around like family a lot of times, but Mm -hmm. family and friends are the hardest people to set boundaries with because it's, especially with family, you've known them your whole life. So like things that like, you don't even sometimes know when boundaries are being crossed, but then you get triggered by things, Mm -hmm. um, so it's like, and then you take that out on somebody else because you don't even yeah. realize that a boundary has been crossed and that you're reacting or responding to it. Mm-hmm. And that hap- that's been happening to me a lot recently with friends specifically yeah. too, because I have noticed, and I actually had a conversation with a friend, was it just last night? I don't know, the days, the days are really stumbling together for me recently, but um I had a conversation with a friend and we were talking about like how we were kind of um, cutting down our interactions with some people yeah. and like how people are just sucking energy from us, you know, and we have to be really careful about like allowing people to do that because it's just like, who do you share with? How much do you share and who is coming who is coming to you because they want to share their energy with you and they want like a shared experience with you as a, on a friend level or because they want to throw all of their crap at you and like vent Mm -hmm. and like take from you. Are they being a taker or are they being like a sharer? I have an, I've, I have a lesson I've learned and maybe this doesn't work for everyone. And maybe this is just my life lesson, but this is what I've come to see as a pattern in my life. When people come to me, like they almost search me out or not exactly search me out, but you know, like they really want to be my friend and I'm like, not the one initiating or really pursuing that relationship Mm -hmm. those are the takers generally speaking even if they don't come off that way in the beginning and people that I seek out tend to not be that way Mm -hmm. so I can say a lesson I learned probably around 10 years ago was that was okay I need to be very guarded about people that sort of pursue me as a friend more than I've pursued them and then I need to focus on relationships with people that I think are good influences and are Mm -hmm. good matches for my personality and are going to, you know, fill me up with positive energy and motivate me as opposed to just drain me. Yeah. I will say like, I definitely have people 
Because one thing that I allow that I shouldn't allow, and I'm, I'm trying to get better about this, but this is one of the boundaries that I have trouble with. So I've always been a person that some, that people come to, to like share all of their stuff, all mm-hmm. of their problems, all of their issues. And then they want me to like solve these issues for them, I guess, or just be a good listening ear. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I'm like that person. I'm like the therapist friend. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have a hard time saying no or saying I can't, I can't do that right now. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, especially because a lot of times um, this will happen to me when I've got a lot of stuff going on in my own life that's super stressful. And someone will come to me with all of their problems and dump Mm. all of their problems out on me. And I am, but then I don't feel like I can do the same to them or even have a back and forth kind of sharing experience. Yeah. Um, I feel like I get shut down if I do that. And then also I kind of, at this point in my life, don't really want to do that so much. Like, I don't want to just sit and like complain to people as much, you know, about everything that's going on in my life. But so people will do that to me and I'll be completely drained and completely exhausted, but I'll allow it to keep happening. Like Mm -hmm. I have a couple of friends who will text me constantly with everything that's going wrong in their lives. Mm -hmm. And I, the only thing that I've learned to do that seems to work is I just don't even look at the texts for like a day or two. That's the only thing that I can do because I know that once I get involved in that conversation, it's going to keep going and going and going. And there are numerous people that I have this issue with. So I know that it's me. I know that it's me that's attracting this and that needs to Mm -hmm. learn the lesson. So like, and I don't, I think that sometimes with a boundary, you can say something Mm -hmm. like you can actually like voice your boundary or you can do it in like it, like maybe it's being passive the way that I am, but I feel like it's actual action to just not respond right away because it pauses the situation. It pauses like the momentum. That's the whole point of texting was so that you got a chance to hear something and then to pause Mm -hmm. and think about your response. I am not going to be held hostage. And, and if you're probably the only person and, and, Honestly, there's been a few times I've missed a text from you and I have felt terrible because it's always like in the midst of a crisis and you're like, why do you hate me? (laughs) But like most people, I will train you that you will not get an automatic response from me at all. Like don't, don't even expect it because I think you set that expectation. If you're like a person that's constantly texting back immediately and then they come to you with like the big problem and suddenly you're like crickets. It's going to like, oh no, now she's avoiding me, you know? So I'm like, no, just expect there's always going to be a delay. And then, you know, if it is one of those situations like that, hopefully that expectation's already been set on my end that I'm not going to respond right away. Yeah. So I really, I really support that. I think that's huge self-care. It's something I'm seriously still working on. Don't answer texts or even read them. There's 
I had a whole situation last week and I'm like, I'm not even going to read because I knew this person was just mad and venting and they were talking to text and yeah. Oh my Lord. Like it's about reading. That's, that's really the key to it though, because like I, I am terrible at this and it's not even just texts with me. It's Mm -hmm. like all sorts of things. It's like, it's emails, it's voicemails. Mm -hmm. There are so many voicemails that I get that I just don't even listen to anymore. I just don't even listen to them anymore, but it's just like, so for me, if I engage at all, like if I listen to the voicemail, if I read the text, then I can't stop myself from even like that anxiety building of like having to get involved. And then I start to feel guilty about not responding. And it's like, it starts this whole like bubble up in my system and I can't. And then like, I know I'm going to get too involved. I'm going to be involved if I'm not even doing anything. So then I have to respond. So now my husband is really good at just not looking at stuff. He's like, no, I don't want to deal with that right now. So I'm not going to. And I'm like, Oh my, like, how do you do that? So I've really been trying to do that. And it's not, it's not a diss to the per like to the person. It's it's really just taking care of myself. It's just taking care. It's like, I don't have anything to give you right now. So I need to like put this on pause until I feel like I can handle whatever the situation is, even if it's how's your day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm not afraid to mute um a person on oh text i will totally mute a group text yeah. like i will be the first person to admit that if you start sending blowing up my phone with group text where like i i won't read like i won't read them until you know days from now probably yeah. oh my gosh um, i just can't handle it I can't handle all that constant chatter. And I just like, it's this, I'm similar. It's similar to me, like with FaceTimes, I was actually having this conversation the other day with someone. Um, I hate FaceTiming unless it's like my nephews, like Mm -hmm. my nephews FaceTime me. I will pick up if I am capable of picking up. Um, I feel like they've often FaceTime to me when I'm like in the tub or something. And it's just mm. like, why, why now of all the times, but like, um, I don't need to see everyone's face all the time. Like I really don't like, I enjoy having these, you know, zoom chats with you, you know, mm-hmm. like weekly. Yeah. Um, cause I feel like we're having an, a conversation in real life, but if, if we're just talking about like a whatever, mm-hmm. I just don't understand like why must we Zoom or FaceTime all the time? Like I know people who only FaceTime and yeah. I'm just like, I didn't, whatever happened to being able to do something else while you were on the phone with someone? Yeah. Like I don't want to like sit here and have to worry about like how I look or what the lighting's like or anything. I want yeah. to make my dinner. I want to like be able to still be living my life whilst listening to your situation. Yeah. I want to potentially be muting myself while eating <laughs> chips. Yes, <laughs> though. That that's like totally like that's totally the thing too is that it's just like you know, if we are on the phone you don't know that I'm in the bathroom. You know, yeah. you don't know that well, I'm just you laying do in because bed. of the echoey sound. No, I always does. mute. <laughs> 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 but 
but it's just like, you don't know that I'm like doing, I'm, I'm busy probably. And really I shouldn't have even answered the phone, but I like did. So now I need to be able to finish doing whatever it is I'm doing. Yeah. But yeah, it's just like, or you have other people around you or, you know, somebody's, you know, like wearing pajamas and you don't want to, it's just like, yeah, it's such a thing. And I just don't, it's like, you don't need to be that in my space. You know, it's like, it really is like an invasion of personal space. Like texts are an invasion of personal space. And it's just like, you want to be connected to people, but you don't actually need to be connected to people 24 seven. Like, yeah. These are what so, batteries are. I mean, cell phones to me were really practical for if you break down while driving and you're on the side of the road, that you could call someone right there. You didn't have to walk all the way to a gas station yep. or to a payphone. You can just call someone. Like that's the benefit of a cell phone. But the extreme, how it's like shifted across the spectrum to this device that's now like glued to our hand and I mean I was even like amazed maybe 10 years ago when that shift happened to the smart device right the Blackberry and the Android and the iPhone and that like this very quick shift in our culture happened where people expected emails to be responded to immediately yeah I'm like uh I'm from the 90s um Emails, especially um, with work like, I have weeks to respond to this yeah. email. <laughs> like, well, what is this instant response you demand and it became a real issue with work-life balance because all of a sudden work-life balance was like not even a thing that you could possibly have because all of a sudden employers started feeling like because you have access to your email and your phone 24 seven, that means you should be able to respond to me 24 seven. I remember I worked at a place for six years and I was somehow able to manage not getting a text from my boss until year six. And that's the year I had to quit, you know, because like all of a sudden it was just like, nope, we are not having conversations about like the accounting situation on a Sunday night. Like this is not going to happen. And like, I, I get it because to him, he's a business owner, right? So his whole, you know, when things happen on his end, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, I should just go talk to my person about that. Um, yeah. But I will say like one thing about my job is there's really strict protocols and guidelines. Like when I'm off the clock, I have to quit working. I am supposed to put everything down and not think about it again until eight o'clock the next morning. And so that can be very challenging because sometimes that stuff sticks with you or sometimes there are situations where I really do want to keep working on it. But, you know, my boss is like, no, when, when work is over, I don't want you checking emails. I don't want you answering your phone. Like your time is your time. So, I mean, but yeah, yeah, employers always need to, to be that way, but I get like nonprofits and other places like that. It's, you know, it's a different culture. What's frustrating too um, is that we've created this monster to where, like, I you just told me that, and I said, wow, that's cool. No, it's not cool. It's how it should be. Like, yeah. we have created this situation. I actually read a thing today on Instagram about men and about how, like, 
because um, you know there's where people are always saying it's not all men we're not talking about all men and then this was like no it is all men because all men are part of the patriarchy and all men like you know like are supported by that system and it's like and all men are supported by this misogynist system that allows for like men to do the most ridiculously small things and to be in there considered like a nice guy. This yeah. is the problem with employers. Employers can just simply not expect you to work when you're not getting paid to work and they're considered a good employer. And it's like, no, dude, like that's how it's supposed to be. This mm -hmm. is not, you're not jumping off a cliff doing something mm -hmm. amazing here. That's just like the bare men of like how it should be. Right. But I will also say that's the defining characteristic between my job as an hourly employee and my supervisor's job as a salary employee and as salary, he does not fit the same, to my understanding, the same criteria. See, I don't agree. Um, I don't agree with that because the only reason that salaried employees are are salaried employees is so that your the main employer people can use and abuse you mm -hmm. and make little rules like you're salaried and you know what salaried employees just work the same damn hours as everybody like you're working the same hours they're simply telling you you're not going to get overtime for yeah, working you don't get more overtime. you don't get over you don't get any special benefits mm -hmm. like we are going to pay you and then we're going to say because you're salaried like we can work you to the bone. And that's not, that's actually like something that should just be illegal. Mm -hmm. And it's so funny. Cause I remember like in a, as a teenager being an hourly employee, I always was like, man, like when you get salary, it's like, you've made it. And then there was like this point where I realized I was like, oh crap, those people, like the managers at the fast food restaurants on salary, they don't make more than $40,000 a year, even if they have to come in Saturday at midnight because the fryer blew up or whatever. Well, I mean, I don't think I've, I mean, it's been a really outside of retail jobs. I've never not been salaried, um, mm -hmm. but I was also I've not never in my life worked for salary, but so. I would, I was also not, I mean, to me, like nearly every job is salaried unless you're like a retail employee or a restaurant employee. That said, when you look at things like, oh, we're going to raise the minimum wage to $15 an hour and everyone gets all upset here or excited, here's what you don't understand about that. Minimum wage can be $15 an hour and all the hourly employees can make $15, but I can still work a salary job and make $11 an hour. Mm -hmm. Like, there's nothing positive about like, it's just a simple benefit. Like it's a simple issue with accounting. Like it's a simple issue with, we don't have to worry about the hours that you have specifically worked. And we don't have to worry about paying you overtime. You can make so much more bank working hourly than you can as a salaried employee. The point though, is that like, neither of those things should have anything to do with how much work you do. You're there for, if you were given hours, those are the hours you should work, period. And if they, if anyone ever expects you to work more hours than that, they should pay you more, period. Yeah. 
Like it shouldn't have if anything you, to do with it. Boundaries. Fired, you have to set these boundaries with yeah. your employer. This is interesting. This became like a big employer boundary. I know. And I really don't want to talk about jobs <laughs> <laughs> ever. Um, <laughs> I forgot what I was going to say. I just have a lot to say about jobs because I've been taken advantage of by so many. And so many people have. Like we allow that because we're like people are so fearful of not having a job or losing their job that they allow employers to just walk all over them and they set no boundaries. And it's like, I understand that you think that I like am super replaceable. Um, but, but like, you're the one who asked me to be here, you know, that's like, I've been, I've been really frustrated lately with job interviews. Um, because you can sit there and spend hours and hours and hours doing multiple interviews because no one does one interview anymore. No one does two interviews. They do at least three plus interviews. You can put, put so much energy and time into these interviews. No one's paying you for that. And they expect you to be grateful to be there. And it's yeah. like, you are the one who chose me to be here. You know, yeah. like- there are a lot of jobs out there. I'm not begging you for this one, even though like society has made me believe there are no jobs. Like it's so frustrating. I like, and I'm not even the one interviewing. It's, you know, other yeah. members of my household, well, that's but like, yeah, it's just like colleges to apply for, you know, their college where you're then going to spend tens of thousands of dollars at mm-hmm. their college like maybe they should pay yeah. you to apply because right. those essays take a long time to write right well I mean that's how I feel I feel like if you are putting like if, if I go to an interview and you've spent an hour of my day on this interview and then you don't hire me where where's my money like you need to pay me for go like for spending an hour doing that because I could have spent an hour doing something else because you are the one who looked at my resume and said this person is worthy of us spending an hour with you know like I'm not the one who try you know coerced you unless you know you are coercing someone then maybe maybe you get half the money I don't know but like it's just such bs and it really annoys me yeah. It really does. The way the whole system work, works. In and, you know, you got more to gripe about. I have like the opposite experience. I've applied for one job in the last 10 years and I got it. Hmm. Um, but it was just like this complete fluke of something falling in my lap. So I, but I, I, I understand yeah. your frustration and I certainly am so glad that I've somehow skirted it. And it certainly makes me never want to be looking for a job again like I hope from here on out like every job I have is like a springboard to the next job and so on and that I am like sought after and people like what's that word um recruit me and stuff and like offer me houses and money to come to their place houses and gold and jewelry that's what that's all the things that's how it works But yeah, no, it's, it's, was really scary, you know, and I was terrified all the way up to like at the job I do have about how many interviews I was going to have to do and how many rejections I was going to have to hear and how depressing it was going to be. Yeah. Um, So, and it's like, it's really, and a lot of times too, I think it's indicative of the way that an employee, like the way that a job 
place works. Like if you are really doing this many, many interviews, if you really are having this tough a time picking a person to do a job that you should be training someone to do anyway, like Mm -hmm. no one is going to know how to do that specific job. You're going to have to train them to do the job. So like you're already kind of saying, who can we pick that we don't really have to put any effort into, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's just like, if you've put so much effort into this hiring process, then you sure as heck better not fire this person. You better give them everything that they want because you've put all this time and energy into them and who knows how many other people wasting their time, you know, like to pick this person who's like this golden child and like, you better give them all the money that they ask for and do everything that they want because you've put so much effort, you know, it's just like, mm-hmm. It's all a racket. It annoys yeah. me. It again, really annoys I, me. I feel like my job does do that. So I just want to offer the counter perspective here that I feel like my job really values me and, and wants to retain me mm-hmm. because of the amount of time they put. But I only did two interviews. And I'm going to tell you by the second interview, I felt like it was a slam dunk. Like I could just read their faces and that everything I was saying was like, exactly what they wanted to hear and which was crazy because I was coming in with no experience for the job so anyway I mean it's not like that across the board I just wanted to offer that perspective but I do think that that experience you're talking about is probably the much more common experience Mm -hmm. and and it shouldn't be you're right that my employer is good because they just follow ethical yeah I think you just got really lucky to be honest like I think that you have have a great employer yeah (laughs) We'll talk about that on a future podcast. <laughs> We're going to do um, a manifestation episode, but because um, I, I do believe that I ever manifested anything, I manifested that job. But yeah, I, I think the way that in general, and I've been an employer, I mean, I owned a restaurant, mm-hmm. we employed dozens of people. It was horrible to play God with people's lives. Yeah. I mean, you know, because it's like, you can care about somebody and still recognize that they're not doing a good job and you have to fire them. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you when, you know, I don't really want to get into a, a minimum wage discussion. I do think maybe that would be a fun topic, like a side topic one time, because I got a lot to say about minimum wage. I feel I like it's tell super you, nuanced though. Like there are just so many layers to it. Okay. So I just wanted to kind of circle back around to what we were talking about with, um, tips for setting boundaries and I think my first and the major one that I have is about setting expectations and I think you can tell people your boundaries all day long but I think you really send the message when you act on that so like if you know someone crosses a boundary and you don't play into whatever they're trying to get you into or you don't respond or you don't respond in the way they think that you're going to Um, or you say, Hey, I'm not comfortable with this. I need to take a break. That's going to send a much clearer message, I think, than just telling people, Hey, I'm not cool with this. Although, yeah, I think it's great to tell people what your boundaries are, but I think setting expectations is really important. And I think one thing that if you have trouble doing this, um, if you have trouble saying no to people, um, or if you're one of those people who's like really who can be really passive And Mm -hmm. you just kind of say yes in the moment or go along with stuff in the moment. One thing that works really well is if you just say, I don't know, let me think about that and get back to you. I, I practiced that this weekend. 
So one of the, oh I'm so excited for myself. So one of the things that happened to me now and again, uh, and I'm a mom, right? I, and I'm friends with other moms and I would never employ this tactic. <laughs> so it didn't occur to me to be on my guard, right. but I have occasionally had mom friends say, Hey, what are you doing tonight? Tonight is very short notice to find a babysitter. And I'm thinking my friend wants to hang out with me. And I'm like, yeah. oh, nothing, girl, what's up? <laughs> oh, cool, could you watch my kid for me so I can go out of this thing? Oh, um, you know, yep. I just remembered I'm washing my hair tonight. <laughs> like, okay, you're stuck now, right? Like, they, they, they tricked you into, instead of saying, hey, because they know, right? They know that asking, mm -hmm. hey, can you watch my kid tonight? Would be like a quick, like, oh, shit, girl, I got, I got stuff to do. So yeah, I have become very wary of vague questions. And yes, I do not open myself up um, <clears throat> to getting sucked into something I don't want to do. And I said, somebody said, hey, what are you doing this weekend? And I said, not sure. What's up? <laughs> yes. What your suggestion. And fortunately, yes. my friend wanted to come hang out. And see our new house which we've lived here for a year and a half so it's been i've been trying to get her to come out for a long time and i was like yay um now her kids like grown so she was probably not trying to suck me into babysitting um so i was probably in the clear on that <laughs> but um but yeah it's it worked like a charm even though it felt really cold yeah. um to say it but i was like i i've been i've just been hurt too many times with the vague question you know so well yeah, and think. it's not just it's like you said this happens it's so easy to accidentally have your boundaries crossed when someone mm -hmm. catches you off guard and yeah. they know that they or know they that do something that you would never do so you mm -hmm. weren't even like thinking two steps ahead. yeah so it's like it's just really important it's the same as as the texting thing in the same way that you don't have to respond to a text right away or you don't even have to read the text right away you don't even have to process the the question or the thing that the person is asking you to do right now yeah you can just go you know and you can here's another thing you can do this in a conversation with someone when things when things are starting to get a little heated or mm -hmm. when you know that you're starting to get a little reactive you can say, can we pause this? Let me mm -hmm. think about it. Yeah. And then, and then I can get back to you because you don't have to give anyone an explanation. Like you are perfectly fine to not respond immediately or tell someone immediately like what you want to do, because typically they've been thinking about this for a while before they ever asked you about it, you know, and you haven't had all that time to contemplate what you're doing. I mean, I, I don't know. I am really bad at saying no, or it's something that I am working on. So mm -hmm. for a long time, I do the, I don't know. I, cause you know, I hate making plans for things, yeah. but I also hate being caught off guard. So like, I need to process and think about whether or not I actually want to do a thing sometimes. Um, and so like, I'm totally fine with saying if someone asks me to do something or if someone says, 
does the vague thing where they're like, well, what are you doing Tuesday? I'm fine with going, I don't know. Let me mm. check. And I usually don't even say, let me get back to you. I put that responsibility on them because if they still want to do something later on, they'll ask me again. It's not my responsibility to get back in touch with them and tell them, oh, I am doing something or, you know, whatever. These are the hours I'm available on that day. Like you can, you can ask again, you know, and by then I might be ready to respond, but like right now I'm not ready to respond to that. And that's okay. Yeah. I hear you. I just really want to know. So, um, my mom used to do this and mom, if you're listening, um, she would say, do you want to do me a favor? And I got tricked. See, I always go, what's the favor? I don't know. What's the favor? I was pretty young. And you just, I mean, it's like this response. Sure. What, What can I do? And then invariably I did not want to do that thing but I'd already said sure <laughs> so like what do you do but it's the same concept it's like well what's the favor you know mm-hmm. like you know it's 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 not wrong to ask for more information mm-hmm. or to be non-committal until you understand if it's something that you're willing to do and if you want to do it because yeah I've ended up having so many times to do things I didn't want to do because I was like damn I told them I wasn't busy and now I can't say no I just don't want to do that with you because that yeah. sounds rude Whereas I could have just said, I have something going on that day. Yeah. And it's also totally okay that if you've committed to something and you're not going to like completely screw someone over by going back and saying no after the fact, or like, don't make it a habit. But if you've committed to something that you wish you hadn't committed to, or you felt kind of like pressured into committing to, you can always back out of it. You just Mm -hmm. have to be firm about it. Don't be rude you know, but just like, don't explain yourself because they may then try to come up with like ways around. Oh, I have to explain. I have this thing with my mom that, Oh, we'll bring your mom. No, no. You can go. As it turns out, I don't have availability that day. I apologize. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Maybe some other time. (laughs) Super professional. I learned it was probably in high school. I remember because I used to be tardy a lot to school and so you oh come into gosh. class tardy. You're tardy to everything though. Oh my gosh I was really bad when I was younger <laughs> and I drove my own car so I was like yeah. I no you know orders to rush. I'm um, usually like 30 minutes <laughs> early to everything. That depresses me. I would I would my I goal like to is be prepared. To, I like to have time to, to like meditate you know get get my senses about me. At high school? Yeah. That, that's what you're okay in high I'm school like, I was probably like smoking a cigarette before class. yeah thank you, you. Like, like I had to get ready you know but I mean I want to maximize my personal enjoyment of each day and minimize the time that I'm at a place that I don't want to be mm-hmm. so I remember like feeling like this pressure like where I have to come in and explain why I'm late and then one day I was like it feels so much more professional or mature mm-hmm. to just say I'm running late. Yeah. I'm sorry. And just sit in your desk as opposed to like coming in with these long, cause I mean, sometimes I remember like one time I got pulled over. It was like the first time I ever got pulled over by a cop and I was like crying and hysterical and I got a speeding ticket and my life was over and I got to school and I like really felt like I should explain this to the teacher. Yeah. And I was like, 
I'm sorry I'm late and I just sat in my desk yeah you know and it and it just seemed to be a much smoother situation mm-hmm. than the explanation thing so, so I was like okay I'm gonna keep doing this I have that I I'm really impressed that you learned that at such a young age because I will say that this is a problem that I still have today um mostly with work but I am an oversharer hence Mm. this podcast Mm. all the time. Like, Mm -hmm. but the, this became a real issue at work and I'm really good at like, um, getting other people not to be like this, but I have a really hard time setting my own boundaries with it. If I am out, like when I would call in sick, Mm -hmm. now I was a person who never called in sick unless I was actually sick. You're, you're like crazy with that. I'm like, girl, take some sick time. <laughs> which is how I used to tell, which is how I used to, what I used to say to everybody else. Yeah. I totally believe because I believe in taking mental health days. I believe in like work, like work-life balance. I also believe that if you are given sick time, that is one of your few benefits that you get at that job. You're not getting paid for that time. That's, that's what they're giving you instead of paying you more. So take that time. Mm -hmm. Um, I've never followed my own advice with that, but so I would always, if I was sick, felt this great need to like go into detail about like, it's like, I thought that my boss wouldn't believe that I was sick. So I had to like tell her every symptom I was having or like whatever. And I, I had a coworker who was just like, you don't have to do that. No one needs a justification. You don't have to like explain why you're sick or what's going on with you, you say, good morning, boss. I am not feeling well today. I will not be in the mm-hmm. office. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> and that's know? it. That's it. People, that's it. People the fill end. in all the details. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I remember <laughs> a few years ago, and I know you probably remember this really horrible boss I had where I couldn't do anything right. Right. And I was supposed to come in for this major evaluation little did I know at that moment that I was coming in to get fired whoa and I got so sick like I literally had like food poisoning sickness I don't want to like explain graphic sickness terms I'm just going to tell you it was equivalent to food poisoning Mm -hmm. I felt like I was dying and me being anywhere away from a bathroom that wasn't in my private residence was not an option but I also knew that it was not acceptable for me to not show up to that evaluation for this psycho type a supervisor I had and I did not like I was like how much graphic detail should I provide because I really need her to understand like I'm not just blowing this off because I Mm -hmm. knew that's what she kind of felt about me is that like I was just really immature and you know unprofessional and um, which was actually a lot of her evaluation by the way Um, (laughs) now to this day was because as soon as I told her that I was sick and I was going to stay home, like I started to immediately feel better. So I think yeah, a lot that's of it, how was it always st- works out. I think it was a lot of it was stress. And sure enough, I mean, what was waiting for me that day was one of the worst things I've ever experienced at a job. So I mean, like I needed therapy, mm-hmm. honestly, like not even joking. I had to like be counseled through that. Um, and now I'm I'm okay. <laughs> but for a while there, I was like, I will never work for anyone again. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, that was my one of the few times where I was like, I feel like I really need to explain, like, this is serious what's happening to me right now. And it's like unexplainable. Um, but yeah, in when I'm, I'm just like, Hey, I'm taking a sick day. I'm not feeling well. I'll check in tomorrow, you know, and if I'm not feeling good again. Um, and I find that everyone seems to feel that that's a more genuine it's kind of ironic, right? Because you feel like if you don't get enough detail, that's not genuine or believable, yeah. but in reality, it's way more believable. Yep. I know when I've been an employer or a manager and I fielded sick calls, the ones where the people were like going on and on, I'm like, dude, do you, like, Same. I don't need to know what you threw up uh-huh. like at all. Like yeah, I, as fact, soon as someone think- like tells me their temperature, I'm like, you're not sick because who is an adult really has a fever on a regular basis? <laughs> It's like, this is never happening. It's not real, but it's just like, (laughs) but I mean, yeah, but it's like, if you have a cold or something, you know, it's like, just say you don't feel well, you know, and it's just like, this happens all the time. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, this is a good example of where it's just like, just don't give more information. And can I say something since we're talking about this, this might not even be about boundaries, anything. Okay. Yeah. Um, the end. Bye, everybody. Muted from the podcast. I'm fired. I got fired from the podcast. Oh okay. my gosh, that was um, tragic. Okay, so when you worked in food service, mm-hmm. I okay. So my job now, I have like zero pressure. If I have TM or time management, so paid leave, uh, I'm not sweating it at all. If I'm really sick or my kids really sick, worst case scenario, I'm going to take unpaid leave. You mm-hmm. know, which I've had to do in the past, especially when I didn't have any sickly built up when I worked in a restaurant the pressure to show up sick was humongous yeah even though I was like I'm pretty sure I shouldn't be going to work today but if I call in they're going to fire me so what's my play here to me it wasn't even about get it when I worked when I have worked retail or food service um I don't think I've ever called in sick and yeah, it, but to problem. me, it wasn't about, but um, were you sick? Were there days where you should have called? Absolutely. Sick? Yeah. See, like the only time that I ever called so in. So think about that every time you eat out. Yeah. But I mean, it, that are sick. but here's the thing to me, it was never pressure from a boss. It was never <laughs> me worried about being getting fired. The only time I ever called in was like when someone was actually dying, it was pressure to like, not put my other And so this is a thing too. So it also would bother me when other people would call out because Mm. to me, it was more like a camaraderie thing. Like I didn't want to call out sick and then know, especially like when I worked in places that were really busy, because like, I knew that there was only one other person on shift that day and that they would have to do everything and that it would yeah. suck because sometimes I was the person doing that. And then like, when you work those jobs, that's what managers are for. it's like really hard to get people to come in for those shifts. Like if they're not, if you're not scheduled for that day, you're probably like, you're not going to come in unless you are like desperate for the money. So yeah. it's just like, Uh, but I never wanted to be that person who was screwing someone else over on a shift. So like, I would never call out. Um, Mm. I mean, I I certainly had people call out on me, you know, but like a lot more loyalty. Like I'm, I'm, I wouldn't even know if I care about all that. (laughs) Well, I did care because like, again, I knew, 
you know, like people would switch shifts with me when I needed to switch a shift, you know, and I mm-hmm. didn't want to like screw that up, you know? Yeah, for sure. No, I mean, I think, especially if you're friends with the people, if you're not friends with people, it probably doesn't matter. On one level, I think it's really cool of you, but I'm saying, but you were sick at a food establishment serving food yeah. to unsuspecting customers. Yeah, no, that's, that's terrible. I mean, but that is why, like, but I mean, again, that's why, like, having sick leave is something that should be universal. Like we shouldn't be having a conversation about that. Yeah, I agree. I agree completely. But anyway, it's just funny that, uh, but I think about that almost every time I go out, especially like in times like these, you know, it's like, no, I know when I go out that like there are sick people at work. Like I know that, you know, that's why I just didn't eat out for most of the pandemic because not eat out, but I didn't even get takeout or whatever, because I'm like, lots yeah. of these people probably have COVID and they're putting COVID all over my food. So I'm not going to mm-hmm. eat at places yeah. because I know that they are, they are, or they feel obligated to be at work because mm-hmm. if you're not getting paid to not be there, yeah, you know, then either you have to show up for the money or mm-hmm. you're afraid of getting fired or you're afraid of losing some sort of camaraderie that you have with your employees and yeah. your boss. So yeah, that's very, very real. That's just life. I mean, and that's as like an employer, we have to someone who, who owned a restaurant, I mean, to me, it was clear distinction between people that abused the mm-hmm. calling out. Um, I remember one time a guy texted me and was like, sorry, I'm running late. My cat fell asleep on me. And I'm like, dude, you are so fucking fired. And I'm sorry, well, I will bleep that out. It's <laughs> but the same. Like, are you stupid? At least make up like you got a train or something. Like, really? You just felt that I honesty mean, was going to take you that far? Yeah. That you okay. Tell me that. I could go off on a tangent about this too, but like, because people, it to me, it's also really obvious in an office mm-hmm. when people, but here's the thing that's the problem is that, again, when you create a system, where people have no work-life balance and they've been working their butts off and had no time off or like no time to themselves. Because, you know, when you get a weekend, if you work a nine to five job or an eight to five job or whatever, you're not having fun on the weekends. You're usually doing laundry and doing all of your errands on the weekends because when you're working all week, you don't have time to do anything else. Like that is the reels of like having an eight to five job or whatever. And it's like, I remember like when I was in college because I like prior to like right now, I have never really not worked. And when Mm. I was in college, I went to college full time and then I would go to my full-time job and I would be working until 11 or 12 every single night. And then I was supposed to do schoolwork and stuff on top of that. And it's like, that's the reality of a lot of people's lives. So it's like, when you create a system like that, I don't care if people aren't sick and call out sick because like, we shouldn't even have to do like, that's ridiculous to me that we are taken like to these extremes where people feel like they have to lie just to get a break, you know? So it's just, it's really frustrating that that's the system we live in. I don't know the answer for it though. I don't know like how to like solve that problem because I, I also know that it would really upset me that everyone in my office was calling out sick all the time when they weren't sick. And then even when I was sick, I didn't feel comfortable calling out, you know? So, but that's, that's, yeah. Like Kelly, just 
go now hey it worked out because you got to take all that leave but I mean pandemic but that being said though no I didn't because that was sick leave and I couldn't you I left my job oh, with like over yeah. 30 days of sick leave that I didn't get paid for that I couldn't use which is total bullshit but you know whatever um <laughs> but like but the thing is with that is that it's just like if I did call out sick because I wasn't a person who abused the system, my boss would be like, what's going on? Are you okay? And I'm like, mm -hmm. yeah, I'm, you know, and then I would have to over explain because it oh, is, you know, because I was fired. too efficient and too good of an employee and too reliable, you know? So it's just like, it's yeah. this whole cycle. But again, it's like, I think we get really frustrated at, you know, and I see this a lot god rabbit hole i promise i will not go down a rabbit hole about this but i see this a lot with conservatives where it's just like i don't necessarily disagree with a lot of the issues that are had about you know particular things the problem is is that we're getting upset with the wrong people like mm. we get upset with the people who might be abusing the system but we've created a system where you kind of have to abuse it to not be abused, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's not, we get really upset by like the way that things are, but like we're taking it out on the wrong people instead yeah. of fixing the broken system. And so it's, that's, you know, it's, it's just a bigger conversation and, and because no one knows how to solve it we're having yeah. all these little quarrels with people who don't really have anything to do with it. Mm -hmm. It's so funny that we got back into work boundaries. Like that must have really been like it's a huge. burning. Well, it's also it's also because like I know that my former employers are not going to come after me in the same way that my in-laws and my friends will. <laughs> so, like <laughs> that's, that's a good good point. Um yeah. But I would love to have a more in-depth discussion about like employer, employee work environment stuff. That's not just about mm. boundaries because sure. I've been in so many different positions um, in the workforce. Just the most recent one being like a normal nine to five job and the first time I ever had a nine to five job. And I totally had to max out my sick leave like the first year because working Monday through Friday from nine to five was crazy it's to intense, me. Yo. I'm like, who does this? Like, how yeah. do you go to the doctor? How do you go to the post office? Like those places are only open from nine to five Monday yeah. through Friday. I mean, so I will say like right now, like not being employed in a typical, like this podcast is is my main job right now. Mm -hmm. um, I will say I almost never have a free moment. I'm yeah. always doing something. And I'm like, how did I get anything done when I had, mm -hmm. when I was working full time for years and years and years? And then I'm like, oh, I didn't, I didn't yeah. get anything done. Like that's how that worked, you mm -hmm. know? So I yeah. don't, I don't understand how people I mean, that's why we're all zombies and we allow boundaries to be crossed constantly because we're just like, just going through the motions because that's the way that, again, that's the system that we've set up. And because we can't fix the system or we don't know how to fix the system, we just mm -hmm. kind of have to like, we're just pushing through the motions, you know? Well, I think it goes back to sort of what I was saying at the beginning, because I think boundaries and conflict are really inherently 
tied together, like mm-hmm. really intricately, because why do we let people run over our boundaries? Because we don't know how to approach them in a way that is healthy and not or we're afraid of the conflict that might come from it and that we can't manage that. And we're going to make someone mad by setting a boundary or by saying, hey, hey, that was a boundary for me that we just are like, oh, I'll just sit here and say nothing and then maybe it'll get better and I won't have to deal with the conflict. And I'm going to tell you that never in my life when I've had that thought, did that work out the way that Mm -hmm. I thought it was. I've learned that you've got to be on it and you better tell people in a calm, collected way, what your boundaries are, when they've crossed them, set expectations with your words and actions, or you're going to ultimately end up in a place where you're just going to get screwed and just have to run away, you know, at a huge loss in the situation, or two, you're going to have to engage in a massive, all out, super conflict, which is like my worst nightmare. Well, and what's really frustrating, built up. Yeah. And what's really frustrating about that too, is that a lot of times when our boundaries are crossed, the conflict comes with someone who has absolutely nothing to do with the boundary situation. Mm. So I know as like a spouse and a friend, oftentimes I have been the receiver and I'm sure the giver of displaced conflict Mm. and negative energy because someone else was their boundaries were being stepped on or I was having my boundaries crossed by someone. So my retaliation is, well, I'm not going to have my boundaries crossed in this situation. So I like overreact or like Mm. I've, I have that happen to me. That happens to me a lot where I can tell that something's happening because someone was triggered by like something that I said that like reminded them of this boundary that got crossed earlier in the day. And then it's like, now I'm having this whole conflict that has nothing to do with me. Yeah. So this, I mean, it's, it really, you're right. Boundaries and conflict Mm -hmm. go together. To me, that's, it's, it's all, because I, when I started looking at the world from a a place of conflict mm-hmm. like what what do I not like like because I, I don't like conflict so knowing that I don't like conflict what am I doing that's allowing that into my life and how do I then block it from happening and I think boundaries have just become my number one defense against having conflict because like for me there is, and, and there's no reason to have conflict because I'm like my boundaries crossed and I'm not engaging on whatever level with the situation anymore like that's it. Like, I don't have to debate whether I want to continue in a situation because to me, once we've crossed this boundary or whatever, then I'm going to change course of direction Mm -hmm. or shift away from that person or that situation or whatever, because nothing good is then going to come from just playing out the then battle uh, uh, about the boundary being crossed or whatever, you know, that situation may be. So yeah, I know that I want to avoid conflict and setting boundaries <clears throat> and sticking with them is my way of doing it. I support that wholeheartedly. And that took me a long time to figure out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, well, that's the human experience, right? We're always hopefully learning and growing and evolving into our, be- our best selves, right? And yeah. some things do take a long time, but you have to understand like 
like we have to be really patient with ourselves because it took us a long time to develop these patterns. Mm -hmm. So they're not going to change overnight. And then there's not anyone around who's like showing them to us necessarily. Like sometimes they do, but we see them as, you know, issues, but it's just like, and I think too, like we have like these types of boundaries oftentimes happen with parents and siblings. Um, and it's like, we sometimes forget that our parents and siblings have all their own issues yeah. that they have to work through as human people. And like, they're not going to just change because we expect them to or desire that they do, you know? So like, we really have to be patient with other people too, and really just work on ourselves and try mm -hmm. to change ourselves and like the way that we respond to other people and not react to other people um, and try to work on being different in a way that allows other people to start to be different with us. Mm -hmm. So I setting boundaries a, is one of those really important things. I think that's such a great point. I'm really glad you made that because so many times part of the problems, and I think a lot of times when boundaries get crossed is because people come into a situation or react to a situation or to a person, assuming that everything else in that person's life or situation is just going great at that moment. And they feel like, that it's fine for them to bring whatever this conflict is to you, you know, and, uh, and I am a strong believer. And actually that really negative work experience I had with that supervisor that was very critical of me is a lot of what gave me this opinion is that we need to address everyone or, or assume that everyone might be coming from potentially the worst situation in their lives yeah. right before they saw us. You know what I'm saying? Because I had a client years ago tell me, he's like, when someone comes at you in a way that's rude or disrespectful, it's probably because of what happened right before they saw you or mm -hmm. what else is going on in their lives. And it has nothing to do with you when yes. the waitress is nasty to you or, you know, some, your friend or your coworker just mouths off or blows up over some tiny thing you made a mistake about it's probably not about you. It's about mm -hmm. something else. But that person is also assuming it's okay for me to blow up at my coworker, mm -hmm. friend, whatever, because I'm sure their life is perfect right, right now because all they can see is their situation or their predicament and how their needs aren't getting met in that situation. And so they then cross that boundary by not realizing, hey, every everybody's going through something probably all the time, mm -hmm. you know, and so I really actually wanted to do this workplace training that was sort of about like, you should treat everybody like they just got beat by their spouse at home before they came to work because that's that really might intense. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but that being the spirit of it, but then translating that into like ultimate workplace respect, you yeah. know what I mean? Like next level respect because you have no idea 
people might be battling cancer, mm-hmm. uh, a parent who's dying that they're taking care of after they go home from work. You never know, but every one of us is dealing with something. Yeah. Major at almost every moment of our lives. And particularly, I think the people on social media who are trying to make it look so good all the time mm-hmm. are probably the ones dealing with the most. Yeah. And I will say that that too is why, is one of the reasons why I try not to, to dump things on people anymore. Um, but I have noticed increasingly recently, so I'm, I'm wondering if this is a thing that I was meant to be working on. Um, I've been getting so much unsolicited advice from people mm. and so many unsolicited opinions. And I have gotten really good. That kind of stuff used to really get to me, you know, like, especially if people seem to be getting really personal about something that wasn't about them in any way, shape or form, you know? I'm just like mm-hmm. asking about something. Yeah. So I've gotten really good recently at noticing and acknowledging when something isn't about me. Mm-hmm. Like obviously something that I have said has triggered something in them that has nothing to do with me. Yeah. And they are unleashing mm-hmm. all of this wrath. Like if, you know, um, what, if it's hysterical, it's historical. Mm. So like, like it's so that if someone's coming at you with something that's so over the top and like going so crazy about something is not about you. Or if it is, it's about something else probably that like they have been meaning to talk to you about for a very long time and hasn't been resolved. So exactly when that happens to me, I have started just like backing away and giving Mm -hmm. that person space. Yeah. I changed the subject and I'm like, all right, this isn't, this isn't about me. You're actually really good at that. Um, And I want to say, I've noticed that. And I, I want to just throw in here, I know, so we started like an intense texting friendship. We kind of reinvented our friendship about 14, 13-ish years ago mm-hmm. as basically just texting. And then we texted literally like all day, every day, like every second of every day we were on Gchat, which, you know, rest yeah. in peace, R.I.P. <laughs> times on gchat and i noticed we had these patterns where we would just because we don't agree on most things Mm -hmm. we would just get at each other just go off on each other and then get so mad Mm -hmm. and then not chat for days and i would be like lost and like have to actually talk to my boyfriend which Mm -hmm. is a whole other issue and (laughs) you probably kept me like sane in that relationship the whole nine years so so then like we would come back and kind of like not talk about it or be like whatever you know so how are you yeah (laughs) and then I noticed though we began to evolve from that and we actually got to the point where we just like when we would have those heated like shock statement kind of things back and forth and then we would either just change the subject or Mm -hmm. kind of just stop talking for the rest of the day or whatever Mm -hmm. and anyway I just think like it's been a really important show of my evolution of Mm -hmm. communication skills because to some extent I enjoy just playing that out with you like I was actually kind of comfortable with the fact that we got to like go through this unhealthy communication pattern because it was the only place in my life I could play it out right it wasn't going to actually affect my relationship because like tomorrow we'd be like okay whatever like (laughs) 
like I don't even care like that was just whatever you know but most people you can't actually act like that with yeah um but I think that it became really important as a model for the other types of communication Mm -hmm. where like when people I didn't know as well got heated and elevated on topics or were like trying to vent all their frustrations on me in a negative way that Mm -hmm. I was able to learn how to process that as opposed to just freaking out or leaving the situation and so I really want to just take this moment to like acknowledge like what an important I don't know about like you to me but I completely agree with you it was a huge part of my process yeah and I've and it's literally like probably somewhere in some data mining like storage facility is like all of our decade of communication yeah and I mean I feel like when you have a relationship with someone that is really solid it is as long as you don't take advantage of it it is a good space to try out your communication skills it's a good space to try out how to set boundaries you know because those people are going to be more forgiving and you're going to be more forgiving of them you know then now you can't make it abusive you know you can't just like shit on each other all the time but like but it is it can be a good place to grow you know, um, which is why relationships like long, like people in our society, you know, every time a relationship gets tough, you know, we get out of it, but it's like, not me, I'm ride or die. (laughs) That's my problem. But it's like relationships can be really tough. And like, there is nothing that can be, obviously we're not talking about abusive relationships or like whatever, but it's just like, there's so much value in really working through things with one person over a long period of time. You're not going to find that with like, you know, some like fleeting romance situation, you know, or like that excitement only lasts for a minute, but it's just like working through things in friendships is really important. And it also helps you to learn like what friendships are worth putting the energy into and what aren't, you know, like, cause that's another thing we can do a whole podcast on like yeah. oh, letting people say, go, you know? Yeah, cause I, I think there's some people where you see yourself like going on like a merry-go-round of, mm-hmm. of like boundary crossing and conflicts. And that's when there's a boundary of like, I'm got to get off of the merry-go-round yeah. because. And actually yeah. we definitely need to talk about the merry-go-round of, of friendships like in a podcast soon, because I think that that is a real thing that we all deal with, you know, like allowing people in our lives for too long that shouldn't be around. And like, when to know, like, how do you know when to let go of a situation that is no longer like, um, like providing positivity or like providing growth for you? Like when to let that go? I like that. Because I was thinking there's no way we're going to cover boundaries in one podcast. No, this has to be a series too. Yes. Okay. So we'll do a boundary series, but I almost feel like that might be a really great like place to pause then. Like, absolutely. We will come back. Like we will promise you that we're going to come back and talk more about boundaries and about the merry-go-round friendships. Cause I think this is huge. And I actually did not know today we would talk so much about work relationships. Mm-hmm. It was important. And I have a lot more to say about friendships and I've had so many different friendship experiences and mm-hmm. learned so many lessons that I definitely would like to delve into that deeper. So for sure, stay tuned. Come we'll talk me. more about communication and boundaries and 
all of the things that are involved in relationships with other people. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like all of my work that I do is about communication. And mm-hmm. so I've just been able to boil down that like in life, like communication, conflict, boundaries, like this kind of is the, you know, the core of how I've learned to navigate my reality in a way that's like healthy for me, where I maintain like the highest level of happiness and the highest level of calm, which to me, that's like my Zen, like those are my goals. I need happiness and peace and uh, the rest is gravy in my book, you know, but if you keep yourself high stress, high anxiety, high conflict, um, some people I think have learned to like thrive off of it. I feel like my husband thrives off of stress. He like Mm -hmm. feeds off of it. And uh, I am so like at the other end of the spectrum, it's like, I would say like surfer dude level of stress, like, you know, hang 10. I'm just like, everything's cool. Yeah. You know, and I'm going to try to manage all of the pieces of my life so that I can stay in a, you know, mind space where I feel like everything's cool. Cause I've tried the ulterior options and I feel like this is the one for me so I agree like I used to thrive in high chaos too and it it depends Mm -hmm. on like how you grow up and the household and the dynamic that you grew up like if you grew up in a household where it's high chaos or you know an environment in general Mm -hmm. then that's sort of how you 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 learn to to get by you think that things have to be that way and mm-hmm. so much of the problems I see through my job and just in the world dealing with people is that dynamic playing out. People that grew up in these high stress, high chaos environments and all they can do is act it out over and over and over again in every situation. And they literally have, they don't even know they're doing it. They yep. think it's, they think it's all external forces making mm-hmm. them, you know, high conflict, high anxiety. And it's and like, really, no, dude, you're seeking that out. You're literally, it's all coming from inside. Yeah. And, um, and so I just want to point out, I'm doing a, a, a current case study. I raised one kid in a high chaos, high conflict environment. And now I'm raising a kid in a completely opposite environment. So I'll report back in 20 years with how <laughs> that's going. I cannot wait. So, you know, keep, keep in contact because this is a long-term <laughs> um, research project. We probably <laughs> have enough to say to still be here in 20 years. <laughs> I definitely think so. Like, I feel like I've just scratched the surface of things that I could say. Who knew we had so much to talk about on this topic? And in 10 years, we'll have, you know, even more more of living. So we'll be like way more wise. Yeah, for sure. All right. So on that note, we are going to pause and step back and think about a boundary. (laughs) We're going to set a boundary for this episode that this is the end. It has to be the end. There's no choice. (laughs) No justifications needed. Awesome. Well, have a great week, Kelly. You too, Heather. I will try. Keep it real.